That's okay. We are on. We began last week learning the Shar HaBitochen, the gate of faith, or Bitochen is uh, more trust and faith and security in Hashem, from the Sefer Chavis Halavavis, Duties of the Heart. And last week we began the introduction, the introduction that the Chavis Halavavis himself, Rabbeinu Bachai was his name, that he wrote to this gate. We discussed that this book, Chayvah Salavavis, The Duties of the Heart, has ten gates, and we went through quickly what the ten gate, gates are. We're not going to repeat that. Um, and the fourth of the ten is Shar HaBitochin, the gate of Bitochin, of faith and trust in Hashem. But before that gate, he gives a hakdama, he gives an introduction. And he says that gate number three was the gate of serving Hashem, of Avodah Hashem, of serving Hashem. And he says that... Um, an extremely important, in fact, he says the most important um, ingredient necessary to be a proper servant of Hashem is to have the true bitachin in Hashem first, to have that bitachin, that faith, um, and full sense of security that Hashem is taking care of us and Hashem will take care of one and all of their needs. And that's why he says he has, he put the shar habitachin, the gate of faith and trust, right after that gate of avodas Hashem, of serving Hashem. And he starts off by saying that bitachin, that faith, has many, many advantages, that it helps a person, both in their service of Hashem and in their tranquility, even for material purposes, not only for serving Hashem. And he started off. Last week we went through the first, um, the first, the first one. And in short, what he said was that everyone puts their faith in things. you got to have faith in something, because otherwise... You, uh, you can go crazy. You don't know what's happening in 10 minutes. So we're going to put our faith in something. He says either one puts it in Hashem, and he recognizes, he or she recognizes that Hashem is taking care of them, and Hashem will provide them with what they need. Of course, it doesn't need to be said every time that we have to work for a living. We have to do what we have to do. But the trust is that the one who's providing is Hashem. Or one puts their trust elsewhere. One puts their trust in their, uh, in their wisdom. One puts their trust in their strength. One puts put their trust in their wealth. And what he told us in last year was how all of these things are pretty faulty. He says, uh, um, and he brought a number of psukim, a number of verses to prove it, that one might be wealthy and not, and not be happy, one might be strong or wise and not be successful. Because he says that when one puts their trust in Hashem, then Hashem takes full care of them. When one puts their trust in other things, Hashem sort of says, okay, let the other thing take care of you, right? If you're putting, if one decides that their trust is going to be in a king or in wealth or in, mon- or, or in wisdom, so ultimately Hashem sort of removes the direct level of hashgacha, the direct level of cure for that person, because the person, Hashem deals with us in a very reciprocal manner. Um, based on the way we deal with Hashem. It's called Mida Kineged. Mida, He deals with us in the way that we deal with Him. And therefore, the more one puts their trust directly in Hashem, the more that trust is going to be um, shown back at the person, and Hashem takes direct care of filling the person's needs as the person placed their trust in Him. Now, that's in very short what we read so far from the introduction of Shara Bitochen. Let's move on from there. What's another advantage? And again, I, I reiterating this, whatever I'm going to say now, whatever we're going to learn tonight, is all part of his, his introduction. What's an additional advantage he talks about when one has trust in Hashem? And he says, an additional advantage is, a very practical one, and that is that one has a sense of independence from anyone or anything else. Because when our trust is in others, 
then we become very dependent on them. And when we become dependent on them, that's where we have, sometimes we're, we're, we're flattering people that we don't really need to flatter them, but we feel, well, if I need something from that person, so I have to flatter them. I have to be dishonest with them, or I'm afraid of them. Or definitely I won't be able to admonish them, I won't be able to tell them if they're doing something wrong, because after all, I'm dependent on them, right? That's my boss. That's my boss, or this people, or this place is a place that I'm dependent on. So the more I'm dependent on others, I'm not a free person. So suddenly I'm beholden. I'm beholden to this person. I'm beholden to this job. I'm be- so it comes, you know, I have to do a mitzvah, but my job is demanding differently, and I'm dependent on my job, and I'm dependent on my boss, and so on and so forth. Says the Chayvah Salavavis, he says, when a person has true bitachem in Hashem alone, and they recognize that everything else that they do is important, but it's merely creating a vessel, then one never feels dependence on the vessel. And therefore one can act based on what they think is right. And they can say what they think is right without fear of the one that in their mind is the source of what they're receiving. And therefore he says, it's a, it's a short point, but a powerful point. He says that when one has proper bitokhan, one is not afraid of anyone. One is not really afraid. One is not, um, doesn't feel that sense of need to make others happy when they don't when, when we don't really need to. Do you take questions? Arthur? For sure. For sure. So, but we're depending on Hashem. Right. So my dependent on Hashem, so therefore I'll serve, I'll serve Hashem, but no one else. In other words, depending on Hashem, and therefore what Hashem wants, I'm going to do. Because I recognize that on Him, I'm solely dependent. Right. But anyone that gets in the way of that, in other words, if my job gets in the way of my serving <coughs> Hashem, Right. So if I'm dependent on my job, so there's big conflict over conflict over here because my job says, you know, I got to work these hours and Shabbos is coming. So who do I where do I go? So the question is, on what am I ultimately dependent on? So what he's saying is, the more one recognizes that their dependence is entirely on Hashem, then they're independent from anything else. So I buy that I'm good, except I don't know if we're allowed to have accepts if you buy it all, but. What if Hashem, you lose your job, or what if you don't have money, or you don't have health, and you're still throwing it up to Hashem? Right, so... So and, that, and that's a challenge, that's right? A, there's no question that's a challenge. Okay. And that therefore, our mitzvah is that we have to do our best to find a job. And our mitzvah um, is to do our best to secure our health, and be healthy, and find a doctor, and so on and so forth. And yet, our faith, our knowledge of where the bracha is coming from, ultimately, is Hashem. And all of those other steps, whether it's the job that I'm um, accepting, whether it's the doctor that I'm going to, whether it's the medicine I'm taking, whatever it is, we look at as vessels in order to receive Hashem's bracha. So my dependence is on Hashem, and because Hashem said so, I create all types of vessels in order to receive His bracha. But ultimately, I don't see myself as dependent on the vessels. I'm dependent on the one who gives the bracha that's going to come through those vessels. So it also could be a bracha that we didn't get a job. Could be. But I guess it could you know, be. it's us to see the bracha. It could be, and we're going to get to that. Or right. our even, poverty even, 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 even tonight, I, I intend to get to that. Okay, sorry. Okay. Thank you. Didn't have to, sorry. Please. That is a second point. Now let's move on to a third point. A third advantage that he tells us here that there is to bitachin. And this is a lengthy one, and very, very interesting. Um, he says... Oh, sorry, we're so late. Hi. Hi. 
He introduces us to a person who's called an alchemist. Anyone knows the word an alchemist? So it seems that there is, a, I also, when I read the word alchemist the first time, I didn't know what he was referring to. But if you look it up in, the, uh, in any type of a dictionary, or Google, an alchemist is someone throughout the generations who was able to create, or at least pretend that they were creating, gold and silver from any type of materials, basically. The alchemist is one who was able to work with whatever you gave them, whatever type of metal or copper, and was able to, through tremendous wisdom, and some say he was uh, dishonest, whether he was honest or dishonest, but the alchemists were the ones who were able to develop all types of metals into gold, silver, precious metals. And that was always a job that was like an amazing job. Imagine, just I think there's a phrase, whatever you touch turns to gold, right? So the alchemist really is the one who whatever they touched, whatever they worked with, they were able to turn them into precious metals and become very, very wealthy. That was, a, again, and I don't think it's something that's commonly practiced now, though someone told me that there are certain places in the world that there's still alchemy going on. Um, be that as it may, it's definitely, it definitely was around, and definitely a thousand years ago was a big deal. And someone who was an alchemist had it made, because they can do anything, right? They can become fabulously wealthy with whatever you give them. So the, the, the Chayvah Salavavis, the Sefer that we're learning, says the following. He says, the person who has true bitachan in Hashem is like the alchemist who can be fully confident that whatever they need is going to be taken care of um, and devote their efforts and their, their trust and, and their, their, in their service of Hashem. That's, what, that's his opener statement. Again, he's going to go through it. He says, when one has, is truly a bitach by Hashem, he knows Hashem will take care of me. I can devote my mind and heart to the things that I need to and to serving Hashem properly and to my family and so on and so forth. Now, but he says, But then he goes off, and again, somewhat of a lengthy piece. And he says that the truth is that the Beteach Hashem is 10 steps ahead of the alchemist. And we're going to go through the 10 steps. He goes through 10 steps. He says 10 disadvantages of the alchemist in comparison to the one whose bitachen is in Hashem, the source of all bracha. Okay? So bear with me. It's going to be 10 steps. And as we've been doing so far, we bring like usually one pasuk for each. Sometimes he brings many psukim for each. But we're, we're going to try to stick to one or sometimes not even and go through the 10 advantages or of the Bateh Hashem, the one who puts their faith solely in Hashem, versus this magical alchemist who is able to create gold and silver out of anything. He says, number one, he says, an alchemist is a great thing, but you still need materials. Now, the alchemist has that ability to make from copper or metal or whatever, or wrought iron and make it into silver, which is great. But they need materials in order to be able to do their work. He says, when Hashem is the source of one's bracha, then Hashem can provide bracha from anything. One doesn't need special materials in order to be recipients of Hashem's bracha. He says, for example, where do we see that? What's the best example for that we ultimately survive off Hashem's bracha in the Torah? What's the greatest miracle of survival on a basic level from Hashem day after day? The man, exactly. What happens for 40 years in the desert? The Yidin live off the month. And the Pasuk says, 
Why did we, for the first 40 years of our existence as a nation, why did we live off the month? Says the Pasuk. Hashem did this in order to show us. The first 40 years of our existence, Hashem said, it's on me. To show you that ultimately, whatever you receive is because I decided to give it to you. Now, of course, the stark difference is those 40 years, it was totally supernatural. Those 40 years, we woke up in the morning and there was bread or man outside of our tents. Um, nowadays, we have to go to work. But what Hashem is telling us is that essentially, just like then I provided, I'm providing for you always. In fact, the birchas hamazon that we say, grace after meals that we say after we eat every meal, who made that bracha? The first one of birchas hamazon was Moshe Rabbeinu for the man. So that every time we partake in a meal and we finish the meal, we say, thank you, Hashem, just like we thank you for the man. But what do you mean? This one I worked for, that one came from heaven directly. And the answer is we're really expressing our faith that what we receive through our work comes from heaven no less than the man came from heaven. So Hashem doesn't need um, different types of materials to create something. If Hashem wants, the man arrives without the materials that I created for it. He goes on to bring a number of um, of, digma, a, a number of um, of uh, of uh, what's, what's what we're looking for? Par- not parables. Um, Analogies. I'm sorry. Analogies. Uh, yeah. Well, a number of stories from Tanakh. A, a number of examples. Examples. Examples of Tanakh, where miraculously, if a person needed food or sustenance, Hashem took care of them. Of course, the man is the is the most major one because it was the entire Jewish people, and for 40 years, he talks about various stories with Eliyahu Anavi. We know Eliyahu Anavi was running from. We, we discussed this in our Navi classes. Eliyahu Anavi was running from Achav and from Izevel. And he was in hiding, and then Hashem had ravens bring him food. Um, Hashem told him to go into a city, and he'll find there the woman um, who she brought him water and food. Later, um, a malach appeared with a, with a cake and water. The point is that Eliyahu Nabi throughout his life is being sustained miraculously. The point here being is, he says, when Hashem wants to give one bracha, don't worry about the vessels. Hashem will find a way to provide and therefore, he brings a pasuk for that pasuk in Tehillim, a famous pasuk, which we say in the end of our benching, "Yiru as Hashem kedoshav," right? That Hashem, the people, the um, people who are holy, should have the proper yiru Hashem. Ein machser lireyov. One has true yiru Hashem. Hashem takes care of them. And therefore, kfirim rashu viraevu, even lions, when are mighty and strong, can go hungry. Sometimes it doesn't work, even for the lions. They're they're hunting um, trips. If one's bitachin is in Hashem and Hashem takes care of them, Hashem is not lacking vessels in order to help a person receive their bracha. Point A. So does that, yeah. I mean, can you, does that mean that if a person has no food or a person has no health, then that there's something wrong with his bitachin? Let's say starving. Something like... This, it's a big question. It's a big question, and we're not ever going to know the answer to every question, right? At the end of the day, as, and we talked about it a little bit last week, and I said we'll talk about it more, there's bitachon, there's emuna. Hashem gives us the vessel of bitachon, and He says to use bitachon, and bitachon itself creates a vessel for more bracha. At the end of the day, there are times that Hashem does things that we don't understand. With everything, right? why, you know, why do bad things happen to good people is the oldest philosophical question that we have. And we're not going to ever answer these questions until we become Hashem, which is also probably never going to happen. So th- there's going to be questions that we don't know. 
And yet Hashem gives us certain guidelines and certain um, tools through which we can affect bracha. What he's telling us here is bitachon and Hashem, as we're going to learn it in the next seven chapters, is a tool to affect that bracha of Hashem. When we put our total trust in Him, our reliance in Him, so that's something that calls forth from Him bracha in turn. When Hashem, and what he's saying is, when Hashem gives the bracha, when He's the source of my bracha, that's a better source than any other source in the world. So this alchemist who has the best source of bracha, he's saying, you can't compare the bracha that the alchemist has in their pocket, so to speak, to the bracha that one has Hashem in their pocket, so to speak. So that's what he, he's... he's, um, he's um, talking about the, uh, comparing this alchemist and the bracha from Hashem. Does he also define, to me, it's a fine line of hishtadlis and bitachon, yeah. because so, where's supper? Uh, I have bitachon and Hashem is going to provide me supper, but if you didn't go grocery shopping, if you didn't turn on the stove, like, right. you still have to do that. So is there a defining moment? So an entire chapter is going to be based on Ishtadlus versus Bitochon, and we'll get there good right. right? But there's no question. There's no question. Yeah, if I tell you everything I am, come back. Yeah, right. so there's no question that Ishtadlus is a chiyuv on a person, on every person, to do their Ishtadlus, and yet my thoughts and my trust is not in the success of my Ishtadlus, but that my Ishtadlus is a good keli for Hashem's bracha. And that's, that's the fine line. Where is it coming from? There's my responsibility, what i got to do, and where is it coming from? I'm not the one it's coming from. And neither is my job, and neither is my wisdom. So I am creating kalim in, vessels in order to receive it from the one who it's coming from. Okay, step number two. Number two, the difference between, or the advantage of the, or he, called the he calls it the beteach Bashem the one who truly trusts in Hashem over this alchemist, he says, the alchemist needs to, it's a, it's a work. It's a work of, of dealing with the metals and dealing with fire and so on and so forth. That work itself is a difficult work and a dangerous work. As he says, there is the, there's the smokes, there's the fumes that are inhaled. It could be a dangerous effort. Yes, it's very financially rewarding and the alchemist might be very, very wealthy, but it's a dangerous work and effort in order to accomplish what he needs to, in order to be able to make that gold and silver and sell it and so on and so forth. He says, that work is dangerous and can be very harmful. He says, when Hashem takes, t- takes care of a person, he says, the boiteach by Hashem, Hashem can take care of a person in the most becovedic way, in the most honorable way, and... And doesn't have to deal with these dangerous methods. And he brings the Pasuk and Tehillim, again a famous Pasuk in Chav Gimel, chapter 23. What does that mean? That Hashem pastures me in green pastures and near silent rivers. What David HaMelech is saying is that Hashem's bracha doesn't have to come through dangerous activities that also have these negative effects and side effects and so on and so forth. If it's Hashem's bracha, it can be a perfect bracha as well. That's number two that he says. Number three. Number three, he says, the alchemist has a big problem. His work must remain secret. Because how does, if everybody would know how to do what he's doing, it's the end of his job, right? The whole advantage is that he has this very secret method, again, which is either truthful or not truthful, and the, the different commentaries I saw discuss this and debate this. If, the, if alchemy was, was real or was a counterfeit, doesn't matter, it was very successful. But what kind of, whatever the job was, 
its success relied on secrecy. Now, if you have a very great secret that you have to um, that you have to preserve, so you can't ask anyone for any advice, you can't discuss this with anyone. Nobody can help you because it's your load. So it's a wonderful parnasa, but it's you're living a life of secrecy, where you cannot turn to anyone else because that's the nature of the job, right? And so many jobs are that way. It's only going to work as long as nobody else knows my trick, right? He says when it comes to bitachon, to the contrary, he brings the pasuk. The pasuk says. Um, uh, again, Tehillim. Belikim batachti. David Amalek says, In Hashem, I put my bitachon, my trust. Loi ira. I have nothing to be afraid of. Mayasa adam li. What's anyone going to do? What are you going to steal my bitachon? What are they going to do? And he says, That's the difference. Says, you, you might have a job that's, that's very, very good. The job comes along with its difficulties. Now, I want to point out the obvious. I want to stop for a moment. Although he's talking about alchemy, it's just an example. Whatever he said is true for any job. But any job that brings us success, and we think, if only I would have that job, then I would be, I would have, you know, free of concern. Then I'm good. If I, if I would only be a fill-in-the-blank, then, you know, I, I'd be living a, a wonderful life. And what he's telling us is that ultimately, bitachon in Hashem is much greater and more rewarding than any other job because of the various deficiencies that each one has. So to review, what did we have so far? What was the three steps? Um, the first one was that the, the alchemist, or again, any job, requires certain tools to do it. But Hashem doesn't need tools. And Hashem can give them one straight out of heaven. Uh, the other one was Others might have dangers inherent in the work that are being done, or side effects, or other negative things. Not when Hashem gives, right? Bin Finally, we talked about um, the need for secrecy, and therefore aloneness. But not when I'm a boteach b'Hashem, that's, no one can steal Hashem from me, and no one can take away my bitachon from me either. This makes me feel like, like I'm like, who could steal, like, not that I'm challenging you, but I'm challenging my brain. It's like, only the satan could steal your bitachon. Right, right. Like, that's the only one, because, and yeah. that's his job, is to steal whatever hack he wants, you know? It's, like, a, it's interesting, you, you, you mentioned something very interesting, there is a, the Baal Shem Tov once said, that when Hashem, really, when someone needs to be punished for whatever reason, so what Hashem does is he causes that person to lose their bitachon. Right. And then, they've lost that vessel for the bracha. And that's how that. So in other words, it's a very. That, so, so, so in other words, that that, like, that's from the Bashamto. The Bashamto says it. He says if, if, <laughs> if Hashem, in His wisdom, needs a person to to be punished, so what Hashem will do is remove that person's bitachon, and then the person doesn't have that faith, so they don't have the vessel for brachas. So the bracha is not there, right? So that's a very. Then that's exactly what you touched on when you said like the sudden could take that away. But that's something that we have to work on on keeping that bitachon. Right. It's really us that. Not that we're the Satan, but like it is like our own inner. Self. That's our battle. Yeah. I once had a rub that says the Satan gets up every morning and says, "I'm going to have a great day because I'm going to put that cookie in front of somebody. I'm going to put, you know, the job that didn't work out. I'm going to whatever, and I'm going to make them lose their faith. Like, <laughs> like it was just it, it sticks right. with me. But I hope I hope the rub also said that we have the ability to overpower. He said that's our job. <laughs> like, why are we letting somebody else right. not do it? Oh, right. it was it's fabulous. Like, this why is do why. we? Do we really believe the satan is like something outside of ourselves? Or it's, it's a 
a spiritual it's entity. Inner, it's a spiritual yeah. entity, and it's part right. It's part of our Yitzhahara. The Gemara says, "Who has Satan? Who Yitzhahara? Who Malachamavis?" It's one negative entity right. that works on a lot of fronts. It's not the. There isn't three different malachim for it. Like, is it just something within us that's it's a, yeah. part of yeah. us? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's, it's there. Not it, not it has, it has, yeah. it has a job to do. Um, who did I hear it from? I heard from, I think one of my mashpim. He said about the Chafetz Chaim. The Chafetz Chaim. He said he was, uh, he was uh, ninety years old or past ninety years old, and he came to the yeshiva and he told the talmidim. He said, the, he said that as he woke up this morning at seven or whatever it was, he heard that little voice in his ear saying, "You know, you're ninety years old. Totally. You don't have to be the first one in shul. It's okay." So the talmidim said that. Yeah, he has a point. What did you what did you respond? He said, very simple. I responded, you're 90 years old too. And you got up before <laughs> me it. in order to tell that to me. So I'm just following your lead, right? Whatever you do, I can do as well. <laughs> Let's move on. Number four. Rabbi Silverberg. Yes. I'm sorry. Can we just go back for a second? Um, I'm a little confused from before, and maybe I heard it wrong when someone there—I don't know who it is because we can't see the women—but said that if like something bad's happening, possibly it means that you don't have betachem. But like so anti whatever anything I've ever learned. Like, and then you said, well, possibly, but like just because something not good is happening to you, that means that you're you don't have enough betachen. Like, okay, let's okay, let me let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase. It. Okay. There could be there could be any amount of reasons why something negative is happening. Um, there could be a lot of reasons for it, and it could be it was decreed that way because of A, B, C, or D. If I were to have greater betachen, I could reverse that, and I could create a new vessel for bracha even if something negative was supposed to happen. So my not have it, putting my bitachon in Hashem um, turns out to have been what caused this negative thing to actually happen. Again, it wasn't the initial cause. It's not that Hashem is punishing me. You didn't have bitachon here. This is coming to you. No, we're saying something else. We're saying that bitachon is a vessel that one can create to create bracha even if that bracha wasn't destined for that person at this point in time. So there much better. That's how I learned it. It just didn't sound like that before when you said it. It okay. sounded the other. So I just wanted to clarify that. Good. Very well. And can I ask you also about the alchemists? I always learned that the alchemists used kind of witchcraft with it. Like it wasn't just that they were making other products into gold or whatever else it was. They made other things too, but they actually tried to invoke like other spiritual um Medi- mediums and so on. Magic right. So I, I, I mentioned that the commentaries in Mepharshim here have different approaches in understanding the alchemist. The Chovas Halavavas does not talk about witchcraft at all. He says, his words are Bechachma over Maisa, that they use wisdom and they use action to accomplish it. Um, so he doesn't indicate witchcraft. There are those who say that it is. I don't think it's significant in understanding what he's telling us here. You know, as far as all of these points, it really... You can learn that it's, it was a counterfeit thing, it was a witchcraft thing, it was a great wisdom, a great art. Either way, all of the points are correct here. So again, he doesn't make an issue of it. Um, and you can learn it either way. Okay, thank you. Sure. Number four. Another advantage number four to the, the Baal Bitochon, the, um, the one who has that, that great faith in Hashem, over the alchemist. 
He says an interesting thing. He says the alchemist always has a problem. How much to make? Right? I, I'm going to make silver. I'm going to make gold. Okay, how much do I make? And he, he says, very interesting, he says there's two options. You can make a lot because you want to store it for the next couple of months or the next couple of years, whatever it is. You make a lot. If you make a lot, what's your worry going to be? Um, it's stolen. It's going to get stolen. It's going to get lost. I'm not going to have it. I have to store it. I have to provide security. Right? So there's a weight on my shoulders because... After all, I have to create something for X amount of time, and then it's my responsibility to make sure it's going to be around for me. The other approach is make a little bit just for today, which is great. Then my worry is, but what about tomorrow? Right? Who says I'm going to have tomorrow what I need in order to make it? Who says I'm going to be able to make it? So he says, whenever you become your provider, you're going to have this question. How, much, how long do I have to provide for? You know, what's going to be tomorrow? And he says, so even if I have this wonderful um, job in alchemy and this wonderful talent of alchemy so I can make myself tremendous amounts of money, this is going to be a concern. On the other hand, and again, he's always, he's always comparing me. The alchemist, the Botef, Hashem says, I'm going to do my job, Hashem provides. Hashem can provide today just like He can provide tomorrow and the next day. Hashem is not better off today than tomorrow. Hashem's not going anywhere. Today is not different than tomorrow. He says, I never have to worry about the next step if my faith and my bracha is coming directly from Hashem. And here he goes off a little bit and he says, he says, the Baal Bitoch and the Boteach Hashem is Boteach, trust that Hashem will take care of me when I need it, in the right way that I need it. He says, and just like, and he gives a few beautiful, it's almost poetic, he says, just like the fetus in the womb who's totally taken care of, totally surrounded and totally enveloped and totally taken care of, and has no concern or worry they're being taken care of. Or he says, the little chick that's still in the egg. And he says, you think about it, there's no way even to get into the egg. The sustenance that it's receiving, there's no, um, <laughs> there's no tunnels, there's no holes in the egg. And nevertheless, it's in Hashem's hand and Hashem is taking care of it. He says, the bird in the sky and the fish in the water and the tiny ant on the ground, which is such a weak, um, a weak creation. And nevertheless, Hashem created it and takes care of it. It has its sustenance. And the proof to that is that there is ants and there is millions of ants or billions of ants that are just being sustained from Hashem. So Hashem doesn't, is always there and always taking care of every one of His creations. And therefore that Boiteach Hashem recognizes I'm part of a huge world with billions and billions and trillions of parts and there's a master of the world who's sustaining this world and He'll sustain me as well. Um, as you know, I'm, I'm, uh, my primary occupation is in the Lubavitch Masifta here and our dean is a, is a rabbi, his name is Rabbi Perlstein. Well, it's actually his birthday tonight, so mazel tov to him. Um, but he tells me that he was 12 years old when he went with his mother and father and brother in for a private audience to the Rebbe. And it was on the occasion of his older brother's wedding. His older brother was getting married, and they went in before the chasana. And his older brother was planning a learning in Koilil for, I don't know, a year or two, whatever it was. And he, their mother was concerned. Who's going to provide? And, um, you know, post-Holocaust and whatever, you know. And, and she turns to the Rebbe and says, Lubavitcher Rebbe says, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. He's going to go learn. Who's going to provide? He said, he was 12 years old. He tells me, he remembers this. He says, the Rebbe, immediately answered. He says, 
The same one who provides for a couple of billion people in the world, he'll take care of one more couple. They ever said it with a smile. It says, it's not always our worry. You know, obviously, the Rebbe's not saying you should check into color for the rest of his life. But the concern, but tomorrow, who's going to provide? The Rebbe said, the, the one who's providing for billions of people, one more couple he can handle. <laughs> and that's what he remembered. He said it made a big impact on his mother and on him at the time. Anyways, that is number four. So number four is, we don't have to worry about tomorrow, the next week, how, where am I going to hoard my money? Where am I going to hoard my alchemy? Hashem is there today. He's there tomorrow. He'll take care of us like all of the other creations of Hashem. Let's move on. Number five. Number five. The alchemist is always living in fear. He's fear, in fear from everyone else because everyone else wants his job. They want his profession. They want his secret. Right before we talked about that, he has to, he's got to be in secrecy and he doesn't ask advice. Now he's talking about something else. He's fearful. He's afraid. One who has this special type of job that's able, you know, special niche in the market, is always looking over their shoulders. Someone else also wants that, and he says, "But the b'teach b'ashem has nothing to be afraid of." He says, he says, he goes on. He says, "The b'teach b'ashem, a person who's truly b'teach b'ashem, if anything, people." Adore them. People are, are, um, uh, are, uh, have a tremendous amount of respect for them. And not only that, he says the animals of the field have respect for them. Everything in the world respects because ultimately everything has a soul and everything recognizes one who is truly a b'teach by Hashem and doesn't, is happy with their lot and puts their trust in Hashem. There's nothing to be fearful. No one's trying to take anything from you because... There's nothing that they can take from you. They can emulate your ways. So you become mm -hmm. someone that they're trying to follow and act like instead of someone that they're trying to take something from you. That is number five. Number six. We'll try to move a little quicker. Number six, he says, okay, the alchemist is wonderful. Can have a lot, a lot of money. You can have a lot of money, be very wealthy, and still not be able to... Enjoy your wealth. That's something that he touched on last week as well. He says, because one might become sick. Or any other reason that would say, yes, you may have a very, very you know, lucrative position, but as we know, sadly, one could have the best position in the world, monetarily in wealth, and that's only a very, that's one part of the story. And one could perhaps, could not have the opportunity to enjoy what their lucrative position is giving them. When it comes to Hashem, a person puts Hashem, Hashem, Hashem is all-encompassing. Hashem is not just a, a good bank account. Hashem is a bank account for money, and He's a health account for health, and He takes care of everything. And as the Pasuk says, He says, He brings a Pasuk from Yeshayahu, chapter 40, Even the young can become tired, can become weary. Those who put their desire, their trust, their faith in Hashem, Hashem can give them new energy, a new koyach as well. And therefore, they will have the ability to receive the bracha and enjoy it as well. Number seven, similar to number six. Number six was a health issue, right? I might not be able to enjoy it because of health. Number seven is a person can have a tremendous amount of wealth, but there might be a famine. What are you going to do with all the money? Mm -hmm. Right? If there's nothing to buy with the money, yeah, one's a great alchemist and they have a tremendous amount of bank accounts and, and so on and so forth, but if if COVID hits and the shelves are empty, then what are you going to do with the money? Right? And he brings a Pasuk. Um, he brings a Pasuk from uh, Yecheskel, 
when Yechaskel was admonishing the Jewish people and prophesizing the hunger that was, that's coming, and we know in the time of the destruction of the Semitic, it was terrible hunger, terrible, terrible famine, he says, Kaspam yashlichu. You're going to take your, your silver and gold and throw it into the street. It's going to be meaningless if you can't do anything with it. Right? When it comes to the Beteach Bashem, he, he, um, he says, look at the Pasuk in Tehillim. He contrasts it. He says in Tehillim chapter 37, even in a time of bad, they won't be embarrassed. Even when there's famine, they'll find food because if Hashem wants me to have food, I'll have food. It doesn't matter what's going on around me. Number eight. He says the alchemist is always on the run. One place, another place, right? And this place doesn't work for me. It's getting, people, are, people are hot on my tail. People are figuring me out. I go to the next town over. A person who has a special, you know, unique, unique niche and is, and is running has to move around. You got to move around to the next place. And, you know, what, what, kind, what kind of life is that ultimately if I'm on the run because I have to protect myself and my assets? He says, when it comes to a beteach b'hashem, he says, you have menucha. One is able to have the peacefulness. And again, he, he references a Pasuk in Tehillim, again, chapter 37. Tzadikim yirshu aris, tzadikim will inherit the land, v'yishkinu la'ad aleha. They'll be able to remain there always. They don't have to go anywhere. They're not, nobody's in pursuit. Nobody's running after them. Number nine, another, an, an obvious one. He says, yes, one might have wealth. Even an alchemist. Till where, till where does wealth help us? Until <coughs> that's the day we pass away. If we're lucky and the wealth keeps us till then, then we're on our own. Right? That doesn't come along as we know. Wealth is a bracha, no question that it's a bracha, but it's a bracha that goes that has its limitation and it can help a person as long as it can help a person. When a person moves on after life, the wealth doesn't come with them. As we know, nothing comes along with us after life. So all of that was good for the time it lasted. Habitaq Bahashem. Chesed Yusev Even, we're surrounded by Hashem, and Hashem is not limited to when we're alive, when we're after alive. He brings a Pasuk again from Tehillim, Marav Tuvcha Asher Tzafanta Lireecha, that Hashem, just like Hashem surrounds a person with goodness and bracha in this world, that bracha doesn't end at all in this world, to the, con- to the contrary. It only gets greater, the person who, is, who had that real relationship with Hashem, that goodness continues and surrounds them as they move on to the next world as well. Finally, number 10. He says that this alchemist, ultimately, he says, if people find out about his tricks, so this can be the cause for his end. Because again, and, and here actually, it was mentioned earlier, someone, someone asked about, is it witchcraft, is it counterfeit, is it true? And here's where the Mepharshim get, in, get involved. Because it says, but well, he writes, the words of the Chayvah Salavavas are, he says that if the secret is leaked, if it's found out what he's doing, so the manhig ha'olam, which literally means the ruler, will have him put to death. And, it's not, and there's two paths here in the commentaries. I don't want to get too technical. Who is, which manhig ha'olam is he talking about? Is he talking about Hashem? Or is he talking about like the ruler of the land, where he's at? And that follows these two approaches about alchemy, of, al- of how, the t- the, how the Sefer looks at alchemy. If alchemy is some type of counterfeit or witchcraft or whatever, so when the secret leaks, so they're going to get rid of him. In other words, the government, because he's like a counterfeit art- artist. Mm-hmm. The other approach is no. It's just a very, very unique gift and talent that some people have mastered. But Hashem doesn't want that everyone should know it. 
It's a unique gift and talent. So once he starts leaking it to others, Hashem will close him down. And that's the two approaches in understanding number 10 over here. The common denominator, whether you learn according to these, this commentary, that commentary, the common denominator is that he's saying that if his secret is leaked, he's finished. The alchemist. And of course, not the Boteach Bahashem. The Boteach Bahashem, if his secret is leaked, all the better. So more people will be affected. And he becomes a bracha for all those who are around him. He says, um, the, he brings the Pasuk from Mishle, Vitzadik Yisod Ola. Matzadik is one who creates a foundation and security, not just for himself, but for the place around him. He references, interestingly, the story of Lot. When Lot was saved from Sodom, and he was brought to a little city called uh, Mitzar, or Tzar, and he saved the city by being there. In other words, a boteach Hashem, one is connected to Hashem, not only is not feared or disliked, they actually provide stability and tranquility for the people around them, the place around them as well. And this is number 10, and the final one of the 10 points that he gives us over here for, um, for the advantages of the Baal Bitachon over the alchemist. Um, should I run through them again? Oh, we went through them already. Okay, so we have the ten, the ten ideas of the alchemist. But I want, I want to, before we move on, I want to stop for a moment. Why does he make such a big deal about the alchemist? Why is that the example, the preferred example? Seemingly, he could have talked about the example of Bitachon versus any wealthy person or any person who has a very, very lucrative job. You could have talked about the advantage of Bitachon over being the CEO of... Nursing house. <laughs> <laughs> whatever job you pick, whatever, whatever job is the job that's the most, wow, that's the one that the one is secure. So you could have chosen that. Why did he pick, why did he choose the alchemist? So on a shot level, on a shot level, it's because, well, alchemist was an extremely lucrative job in those days, back a thousand years ago when this was written. This was the top job. You're, you're the alchemist, you know how to make anything out of anything. It's, it's, it's wonderful. But there's a deeper shot, perhaps, and there's something I've heard. I don't have exactly a name or a mafayrish that, uh, that I can quote, but there's a deeper way of understanding it, which is the following. And that is, as we mentioned already before, and I mentioned it again, bitachon means, I trust that Hashem will take care of me. Now the question is, well, who says he's planning on taking care of you? Right? Maybe he has a reason why you're not supposed to be taken care of. Right? Maybe you're being punished. Maybe you did something wrong. Maybe your schus ran out or whatever it is. And therefore, yeah, you're supposed to, you know, it's not supposed, the goodness is not supposed to happen. So what we're learning is that bitachon is itself the schus through which I'm going to bring that bracha even if the bracha is not destined for me. So bitachon is not like a abstract, no, I trust because Hashem probably planning on doing good things for me, so I trust that He will. If that's the approach, well, maybe He's not planning on it because of, again, whatever reason. We look at bitachon as something much more powerful than that, but rather it is a keli that elicits bracha. That's what bitachon is. In fact, you know, this, this week is uh, Parshas Shemos, we're Parshas Shemos, perhaps the most Famous talk of the Rebbe on Bitochon is in a Sikha on this week's Parsha on Parsha Shemos. It's a very famous talk. It's been learned and relearned countless times. And I'll just say one point of it. It's on this week's Parsha, it says that Moshe Rabbeinu, we know he hit the, um, he killed the Mitzri, the Egyptian, right? And then the next day, Moshe Rabbeinu sees the two Jews who are fighting, and the two Jews say, Oh, are you going to kill us like you killed the Mitzri? And there the Pasuk says, 
The Moshe says, oh, it's known, Vayira Moshe. Moshe was afraid. He became afraid. End of the Pasuk. And then it says that Paro wanted to have Moshe killed, and Moshe had to run away from Mitzrayim. And the question is, why did the Torah say those two words that Moshe was afraid? Why is that an important part? I mean, Moshe killed the Mitzri. Paro found out. Paro wanted to put him to death. Why is it important for the Torah to say those words? And Moshe became afraid. Why is that important? So, and there befollows a medrash that says that Moshe, even Moshe Rabbeinu, greatest tzaddik of all time, there's always something to learn. And Moshe Rabbeinu, there's a sense of criticism over here. He didn't have enough bitach. He shouldn't have been afraid. Because he did a mitzvah. When he killed that mitzri, that mitzri was in the middle of, of uh, doing a, a, a terrible things to Jewish people. So he did a mitzvah, and if, if only he would have had that perfect bitachon in Hashem, perhaps the end of the story would have been different. And Paro wouldn't have sent for him to be killed, and he wouldn't have to run away from Egypt and spend 80 years in, in various exiles until he came back to Egypt. So that in this very subtle way, the Torah says, Vayira Moshe, and look what happened. He was afraid, didn't place fullness of bitachon in Hashem at the time, and therefore, yeah, the things that he was afraid of actually transpired. So bitachon has the ability to change the outcome of the story. That's the important point. And that's what an alchemist does. He changes it into silver and gold. Just like the alchemist takes whatever and makes it into silver and gold, the, the Baal Bitachon, the Boteach Bashem, also takes whatever situation and whatever is coming and is able to change it. So the alchemist is actually a perfect metaphor for, for the Boteach Bashem. Yet, he says, the alchemist, which is a great metaphor, but still the Boteach Bashem is 10 steps ahead. And that's the ten comparisons he, draw, he draws between the alchemist and the Balbi Tacha. So again, the, there, is a, there is a common denominator of the two that they're both tremendously successful and they both are able to turn anything into silver and gold and they can, both of them, so to speak, change the outcome of the story. And yet he says, but when one's bitachon is an alchemy, so there's a number of drawbacks as we went through A, B, C, D, 10 steps of the drawbacks of bitachon that we have in alchemy or any job or any place of financial security. All of those kasronos, all of those disadvantages apply to any financial security has these 10 drawbacks. And Boteach Bashem is putting their bracha, their bitachon in the source of bracha that doesn't have any of these 10 limitations that he spelled out for the alchemist. Let's go a little further. What is another advantage, he says, for the Boteach Bahashem in their life? Boteach Bahashem, one who says, I put my trust in Hashem, Hashem will take care of me. So he says, financially, he says, one is able to be happy with their financial situation, whichever way it goes. Meaning, some people are going to be wealthier, and some people are going to be less wealthy. That's the way of the world, right? It doesn't say anywhere that everyone is supposed to be wealthy. Or everyone is supposed to be not wealthy. So how do I deal with it? How do I deal with it if I'm wealthy? How do I deal with it if I'm not wealthy? Right? I have Bitochan Hashem will take care of me. And He takes care of me. But some people He takes care of them by making them millionaires. And some people He takes care of them by making them whatever ears. But He takes care of them. Right? They have what they need. So when I recognize Hashem is taking care of my needs. So He says, so if I'm a millionaire... That's the way Hashem chose to take care of me. I'm very wealthy. How do I deal with that? 
Well, I recognize that whatever I have is because Hashem gave it to me. Because again, my bitachon is not in my job. My bitachon is not in my alchemy job or nursing home job or, or, or doctor or lawyer, whatever it is. My, so I recognize, you know what? Hashem decided for me to have a tremendous amount of wealth. Baruch Hashem. So what do I do? The first thing is, I think about, okay, so what are my responsibilities to do with that? Hashem gave me all of that. So I give, of course, whatever tzedakah I have to and all the mitzvahs that I do. I recognize Hashem gave me more. I can do the mitzvahs in better ways. He says, it helps me. Instead of when one becomes wealthy, they become more, sometimes more paranoid because they're, they're amassing the wealth and they might lose the wealth and what's going to happen. He says, to the contrary, this is wealth I received from Hashem, so it helps me use it in the best way. On the other hand, if I'm not from that uh, select group of people, and I'm like probably most people, who Baruch Hashem, Hashem gave me what I need. So how do I look at that? Baruch Hashem, I have what I need. I'm feeding my family. I'm taking care of what I need. To the contrary, he says a person with that attitude looks at it and says, you know what? I'm actually thankful to Hashem for giving me what I need and not excess of that. Because there's so many bothers of life that are avoided by not being this involved in so many different things and so on and so forth. And he quotes, he says, he says one of the Hasidim, he doesn't say a name, said, Hashem should, should guard, should save me from pizur hanefesh. That means when my, that my, when my mind and my spirit are all over the place. And they ask him, what are you referring to? He says, that's the people who have monetary assets in all different cities and all different countries and always concerned and flying here and there because they have to look after their things. Baruch Hashem, I don't have it. Now, the one who says Baruch Hashem doesn't have it, Taka didn't have it, right? The one who's, who does have it is not supposed to say, oh, terrible that I have it. When we recognize, when our B'tachas and Hashem, then whichever way Hashem shows to take care of our needs, we say thank you and we use that and recognize that's Hashem's bracha for me. And again, for some people, it's a greater bracha not to have all that excess wealth. For some people, it's a greater bracha, yes, to Hashem knows each of us because he made us, and knows which bracha we need. So he's taking care of me the way that I need it. And he says something beautiful. He brings a pasuk from Kehelas, Shlema Malach, who says very beautiful. He says, Misuka shinas ha'oved. Beautiful pasuk from, from, uh, from, from Kehelas. He says, the, the sweetness of the sleep of a worker. A worker, he means here, an employee, not an employer. He says, Shlema Malach says, the employee sleeps well. Sometimes there's employees who get a very big salary. Sometimes there are employees who get a basic salary. Shlomo Alex says, it doesn't matter. Either way, they can sleep well. Why? Because the ultimate responsibility is not on their head. They're being taken care of. So Shlomo Alex says there's a greater advantage of being an employee because you can sleep well. Some employees are you know, six-figure, five-figure, four-figure, but it's not my achrayis. It's not my responsibility I'm taking care of. He says, versus the wealthy one who can't sleep because there's so much to take care of. But we're all employees of Hashem. If we look at it that way, we are. So you're saying, can sleep. They're true, and that's why he's saying, what he's saying is the bitachon helps the wealthy person and the non-wealthy person. He helps the wealthy person not get lost with their wealth and not be to totally consumed with it because they recognize that wealth is also a bracha from Hashem. So the wealthy person is also able to look at it. Hashem gave me something to use in the proper ways. It's not my achrayis. And I'm, as you said, I'm not ultimately the employer. I'm also an employee. If we're all employees, they, we, we all fit into that pasuk of Shlomo HaMalach. We're the employees. One has more, one has less. But we're employees, so we can sleep well. 
My, my mother-in-law, who um, was in the Holocaust, she said when she got off the train in Auschwitz, and Mengele was there, but one of the big things was is that, that if they told you right then and there, give your diamonds, give your jewels, give your gold right now, if you take it with you, we're going to shoot you. And it was like, it was, to, to the day she died, she never wore real earrings or wore a fur, fur coat or anything fancy because that was bad news to have that. Right. So to me, that's like a clear example of that, that, that got her in trouble. Having money was, was troublesome then. It could be. Could be. I, I just want to conclude the last line here because our time is up. But just one last point. He says one last point, and it's really a piggyback on the one before it. He says, one who has real bitachon, their money won't lead them astray. Their, their, wealth can be a test. We know that. That's only once I start believing in my wealth. Once I look at it, wow, I'm, in, I'm independently wealthy, I become independent. The real Baal Bitochon always knows that my security is not in my bank account. And therefore, my bank account never becomes the one that controls me. And I can devote myself to be a servant of Hashem, to be a yid as I should be. Baruch Hashem, I'm very thankful that Hashem blessed me with tremendous amount of wealth. But my life is not defined by it. I'm a recipient from the employer, like we said before. And he said, when one looks at that, he looks at their wealth like a gift that Hashem has given them to use properly. He says, um, when I give tzedakah, I'll never remind you know, the person who's the recipient that I gave the tzedakah, because it's, I'm a recipient of a gift. In order to give tzedakah, I'm fulfilling my obligation. I'm not looking for honor. Furthermore, he says, if the wealthy person loses their money, what happens? Wealthy people become not wealthy. So if a person, their wealth, it was all about their wealth, they can go crazy. They can snap. What do you mean? They were used to a certain way. But if it was a gift that Hashem was providing me and taking care of me, now Hashem has decided that He wants to take care of me in a different way. And I'll be taken care of with lesser means than I was last year. And He says, when one is strong in their bitachon, then the wealth stops being a test. It's only a gift. When one is lacking their bitachon, that wealth, which is seemingly a gift, can actually turn into something that really hurts the person in their day-to-day, in their Avedis Hashem. So with that, he concludes, uh, we're still in the middle of his introduction, which we'll finish next week, God willing, but with that, he concludes the various advantages that bitachon brings in a person's serenity of mind and being able to devote themselves to Avedis Hashem and where everything else stops becoming um, a conflict to being a servant of Hashem. Question. 